This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Here again is Dan Loney. Well, as we get ready for political season here in the U.S. within the next two weeks, the country of Brazil just re-elected its president for a second term in a very close race. In fact, it was a rally for Dilma Rousseff, who had several calls to be taken out of office. But this race also brought up the want by the Brazilian people to look for change in a country with a stagnant economy. To discuss what happened, we bring in Philippe Montero, who is a senior fellow at the Wharton School's Mac Institute. Great to have him on the show. Philippe, welcome. Oh, thank you, Then Good morning. Good morning. Uh, this was not an easy re-election by any means for, for the president, correct? This is the closest and most bitterly fought election in Brazil's history. So this is a very, very special election. What's the biggest challenge then for Mrs. Rousseff as she heads into her second term? I think what should happen starting today is just reunite the country. Uh, At this point, until yesterday, the country was really divided. Mm -hmm. So you could see this everywhere. You could see this in the streets. You could see this in social media. So if you look at your friends, you would see really two camps, some people really kind of for Dilma Rousseff, some people from ISO Nevis. So it was, it was a really different type of dynamic. So before in Brazil, elections typically didn't involve such a kind of close and fierce debate between two camps. And this, this is very different this time. So I think we all agree that the first thing that she should be doing now is just saying, OK, elections are over. We need to kind of dialogue again and we need to reunite the country. And I guess in part we saw this a little bit during the World Cup this summer in the fact that a lot of the, the preparations were done, but, but there were some of it that was not done. So there is that disconnect that it seems like even when you have a major event like the World Cup coming into your country, that, that obviously there are some bridges that need to be mended. Absolutely. And I think there is a clear understanding, as you said, that there's a lot of work to be done. Um, so... Even when you win, but when you win with such a very narrow margin, Mm -hmm. there's a clear message of some change has to come. What were the biggest issues going into this election that were the potential tripping points for Ms. Rousseff that might have sent her out of office? So I think the big achievement for Brazil in the last 15 years has been how Brazil tamed election Um, inflation. So Inflation. if you look back, uh, not too long ago, Brazil had hyper, hyperinflation, uh, which everybody was scared of. So really managing to kind of keep down inflation and giving the impression, right, and, and really the sensation for the people that they could kind of consume and there was some economic stability was very important. What we observe in the last kind of year and maybe two years, is the Brazilian economy start to stagnate. Um, kind of inflation is up again. And this generates a lot of uncertainty. And, and I, so I think this is clear that people are worried about that. Uh, the degree of how much they are worried varies across kind of 
parts of the country and different uh, areas. Um, but I think the economy is a major issue. Uh, and the second one was really all the corruption scandals that we had in Brazil uh, recently. So if I were to single, kind of to highlight two key issues uh, that you have to address very immediately, um, economy and also um, how, how she's going to deal with the, a number of corruption scandals that are just emerging in Brazil now. Uh, and you were just there. You're over in France right now, but you were just in Brazil. What was it like seeing that firsthand? So yes, I, I, I arrived in France yesterday. Um, so so the, I think I think the first thing we should say uh, it is a big day uh, for Brazil. I mean, regardless of who won, mm-hmm. um, not too long ago Brazil didn't have kind of really a democracy. So it's really nice to see a country as big as Brazil um, really exercising kind of the democratic right to vote. So. Just to give you an idea, right, we, yesterday uh, we had kind of 110 million people voting. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also very nice to see right after a couple of hours after the, the polls were closed, you had the final results announced. <laughs> so all the electronic voting worked very well. So I think there's some celebration of democracy, which I think is very good. Uh, for me, the, the news, right, and, and the sentiment that I had never experienced before in Brazil in an election like that was really this, how divided was the country. Right. How you had this kind of clear debate between the two camps, um, which on the one hand is very healthy, right? So it's good that people are talking about politics and they are so involved. On the other hand, it generates some kind of... Uh, Debate, which is not, I would even call it debate, I would call it more like a kind of, some kind of fight between the two camps, which was, which now, um, as President Rousseff was reelected, I think it's going to be very important for her to bring the country back as kind of as united as possible. So, kind of going back to Brazil or being there this weekend, uh, it was clear on the one hand, it is very nice to see the democracy uh, really kind of as a stable democracy, as everybody going and voting, the systems uh, working well. On the other hand, I hope that kind of from now on, all this division will kind of be in the past and people yep. will somehow find a way of kind of working together again. If you have a comment, one eight four four wharton one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six is the number to throw your two cents in the ring if you would like to. We're speaking with Philippi Montero, senior fellow at the Wharton School's Mac Institute. And also, the other issue that needs to be brought up is the fact that when Brazil is referred to in the terms of the global economy, it's obviously it's part of that BRIC grouping with Russia and India and China. And where those three countries are concerned right now, a lot of people believe that Brazil is fourth in that grouping. And so that means that for Brazil, it is even more so uh, important to try and see if it can get back to even close to a level of those other three. So, I mean, on the one, if you look maybe only at economic growth, um, maybe that's right. Uh, and it's clearly that when you look at kind of the growth of, of China and India, uh, more specifically, uh, I would agree with you. On the other hand, if you look in terms of how much 
agreement there is between uh, Brazil and, and the U.S. and Europe um, in terms of kind of some very strong democratic values, etc. Um, I think that, I mean, there was some reassurance with this election that kind of Brazil is on track on that front. So um, I believe that the real challenge is how to be in that group in terms of economic growth. Well, and then I'll throw this into you because it had been written, uh, obviously, on a, on a few uh, occasions that the relationship between the U.S. and Brazil, uh, in terms of at least at the presidential level, uh, with Ms. Rousseff, I guess, had, had an opportunity to come meet with President Obama uh, a year or two ago and had to cancel that trip. And I guess the president had gone down to Brazil to try and make things a little bit better. And, you know, it was sometimes it was good, sometimes it was not. Is that one of the areas where President Rousseff needs to kind of make make some more uh, steps going forward in terms of its relationship with the U.S. and specifically her relationship with President Obama? So I, I think the, kind of the historical relationships between Brazil and, and the U.S. is very strong. And, and this goes beyond what the government says. But if you look at where, I mean, trade, investment, kind of culturally speaking. So I think that's kind of, that's very strong. I don't think Brazil, uh, and I don't think um, she will change uh, in terms of not being automatically aligned with the U.S. Yeah. So I think she, she really wants to have some independence. Uh, at the same time, I mean, it is, I don't think she perceives or anyone in Brazil perceives the U.S. as the enemy. So I think just to give you a sense of how this was a no issue in the elections. There was no uh, attribution during, right? Even when things got more radical between the two camps, nobody was kind of complaining or, yeah. or, or blaming the U.S. for what was happening in Brazil. Um, so I think what's going to be important for her now is really bridge not only the diplomatic um, relationship uh, with the U.S., which with all the, the issues about kind of how to what extent um, Brazil, she, she had been kind of subject to people were kind of checking her phone calls or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think beyond that, I think what's really important is that she makes a gesture that is more pro-business um, because that would automatically get the support of the number of, of international, multinationals which are in Brazil, investors which are in Brazil. Yeah. So I think it is both the, the diplomatic but also really the economic business actions that I think people are expecting. She really does have the opportunity to, to take this country on several steps forward going over the next six months to a year, uh, doesn't she? I think she does. And I believe that the immediate reaction, uh, as it's happening now as we speak, is negative. So people, I mean, I, I mean I'm talking about the, right, the stock exchange and exchange rates. So um, there was some hope that Aesio Neves, who was much more pro-business, uh, at least in the way, right, in his campaign, than uh, President Rousseff is. So I think the immediate reaction is not positive. Um, my hope is that, and there's some precedence on that, that she will somehow appoint a finance minister who will be able to kind of make that bridge sure. and take Brazil forward. So I think what we should be watching now is more than kind of what happened in terms of the presidential elections is who she's going to be surrounded for this, her second term. So she, who she's going to appoint as the finance minister? Who's going to be the new governor of the central bank? 
so when we think about economy and we think about markets, that's what we should be looking at. Is that the taking the the building of the bridges out of the factor, like you know, in in terms of working with the other party in Brazil? But is that the most important thing right now? Is getting a new head of the Brazilian Central Bank and and getting a new finance minister, or are there one or two other areas that are really unfocused as she goes into her second term? So I would say depends. I mean, your question, the answer to your question depends to whom, right? Okay. Uh, so I think. When we think about all the social programs, when we think about education, those things are really, really important. So I don't want to say that this is not important. This is very important. But maybe these are areas where there's less controversy and where people recognize the good job that she has done mm-hmm. and right in the last in her first term. I think the area that I was emphasized that she shouldn't kind of bridge and she should be able to communicate with, with the markets. It's an area where everybody is afraid now. So I think the, the uncertainty is pretty much on, is that going to have any kind of change in the direction of the economy? Uh, to what extent, and, and everybody's worried, as I was saying before, about inflation, rising inflation. People are worried about the consumption model of kind of economic growth that now is over. So I think it is really critical if she wants to get a lot of the support that ISO Nevis got is, is really to say, listen, um, I'm not compromising on my social programs and I'm not compromising on kind of emphasizing and paying attention to the poorer states in Brazil. But I understand that something has to be done with the economy. And I understand that I need to work with people and kind of appoint very senior officers who can establish a dialogue with the business community. We're talking with uh, Philippe Montero, senior fellow at the uh, Wharton School's Mac Institute, joining us from France. Uh, today he was just over in Brazil uh, as Brazil just re-elected uh, President Dilma Rousseff for a second term. We're talking about what she needs to do moving forward to uh, really bring Brazil up a few notches uh, going forward into her second term. You mentioned Mr. Nevis as well, and we haven't talked about him, so I'll bring him up at this point. What was it about his approach and his philosophy that seemed to, at least in the early part of the run-up to this election, really resonate well with a lot of people there in Brazil? I think the first thing is just he would represent change. So if you ask a lot of people who vote for him, they were voting for change above all. Okay. So there's something which is just kind of the importance of getting some renewal, getting some change. Um, I mean, Ashton Evans himself, he's a senator, and he will be very important now as an opposition leader because he's going to be back to the Senate. And he was very clear with his economic approach to the extent of saying, listen, I understand change is needed. I understand we need to be, we need to do what we say we're going to do with the economy. Mm-hmm. And uh, as, a, as a very strong kind of sign of his commitment, uh, he had already announced that if he were elected, he would appoint Armino Fraga, who was a former governor of the Brazilian Central Bank, who is a very, very respected uh, economist. Uh, as a curiosity, I mean, two curiosities. Uh, one is, uh, and, uh, Tim Geithner, he was one of the possible um, people that Tim Geithner suggested the U.S. government to to be the head of the Fed, 
right? So yes. very, very respected. Uh, the second thing, which is more related to, to Wharton, uh, Aminu Fraga started his career as a finance professor at Wharton. Then he, he went to work with Dr. Soros, etc. But I'm talking about someone who is, has all the credentials to run the economy. So a lot of people who supported uh, Nevis, they felt he would do a better job with the economy. And he would kind of really, not only, I mean, not him himself, but he, who he was surrounded by very serious people. Sure. Um, so I think that was important, very important. In, and if you look at the, so if you look at Brazil, Brazil is huge, right? It's, uh, and you look at the different states. So President Rousseff, she won in the north and northeast of Brazil, the poorest region. Yeah. And Nevis won in the south and southeast, where most of the economic activity and the largest companies are. So I think he managed to establish this, this dialogue and this commitment with the business community. Um, and, and I think that explains a lot, combined with representing change. Um, the, the very, I mean, he got 51 million votes, so sure. it's not negligible. Well, and can you go into a little bit further what you explained there just a second ago in the fact that Ms. Rousseff won a lot of the vote in the lower part of the economic strata in Brazil, and that was a key part of how she won this election? Definitely. So it's very clear if you look at the Brazilian map and if you color code them kind of blue for Nevis, red for uh, Rousseff, you see that the north and office is all red. Mm-hmm. So she and, and and she won with a landslide in those states. Um, why? Maybe one thing that nobody kind of denies importance of is with all the social programs that she had, um, and a lot of Brazilians who don't have a job, uh, they they receive those monthly stipends from from the government. So all those things. I mean, I mean. People could really relate to her and say, listen, this government uh, somehow is kind of working and, and focusing on the poorer uh, regions of the country. Mm-hmm. So that's one explanation. I think it's a very strong one. I think the other explanation is he was much less known in the northeast. So, um, so if you talk to analysts, a lot of people would say that actually he was his campaign was very well understood and, and he was very well known uh, in the regions in the south and he didn't manage really to go and kind of gain the electorate yeah. in the north and the northeast. And that obviously in any election, whether you're talking about Brazil or the United States, the blue-collar people that you're trying to reach, those end up being, in a lot of occasions, the most important people that you have to try and reach. Absolutely. And I mean, it's one person, one vote. Uh, it's a huge country, a lot of differences. Um, so I think, it's a, it's a, I think as we look back at, at this election, maybe one of the key lessons we would have learned is, listen, the, the social, the importance of the social programs and the importance of really reaching out to the poorest strata of the economy is critical. And, and I think whomever succeeds in in really reaching out to this very, very big country, very, very diverse, heterogeneous country. Um, you cannot, you, I think this election has shown, you cannot win the election just with the votes from the South. 
We're talking with uh, Philippi Montero, senior fellow at the Wharton School's Mac Institute. We're talking about the elections in Brazil over the last couple of days. And, and uh, the interesting thing I saw, and I'll get you to comment, that the voting was mandatory, correct? Yes, voting in Brazil is mandatory. Um, it's also important to note that we had kind of 21% of abstention. So there's also a huge okay. segment of the population who did not vote. Yeah. Um, and maybe this is interpreted also as a kind of protest against um, maybe the two candidates. Because one thing that we haven't discussed yet, um, both of them, right, both Rousseff and Neves, they are kind of very well-known kind of politics and from very well-known uh, political parties. So there was, in, in the second round of the election, there was no real new, kind of no, nobody representing really some kind of new party or, or yeah. new movement. Yeah. Okay. So maybe there are kind of, there is a, a, an important segment of the population who is not happy with either. Yeah, I was going to ask you if there was maybe even a third candidate that earlier on that uh, at least was uh, was a thought that, that might be maybe not the right candidate for now, but maybe the next time the election comes around. Yes, you're definitely right. So Marina Silva who was the third candidate, and at some point she was kind of leading the polls. Um, she would, uh, I mean, I would categorize her much more with this new kind of type of candidate that is really trying to build a new party. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe she, she attracted initially um, a lot of this energy, this positive energy for change, um, but eventually she didn't go for the second round. She supported... Uh, Nevis, but maybe not everyone who voted for her uh, decided to vote for Nevis. And so, as you said, maybe in four years' time, uh, we will have not only the classic political parties like we had in this election, but maybe there will be a third way and, and someone coming with more renewal. Well, uh, Felipe, I thank you for coming on the show. Lots of great information, and uh, obviously, enjoy your time over in France. Thank you very much, Nan. It was my pleasure. Great to have you on the show. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.